Hi, and welcome to FX Medicine, where we bring you the latest in evidence-based, integrative, functional, and complementary medicine. I'm Dr. Damien Christoph, a Melbourne-based chiropractor and naturopath, and joining us on the line today, all the way from New Zealand, is Dr. Heidi Harvick. Heidi is a chiropractor and a neurophysiologist who has worked in the area of human neuropsychology for over 15 years. As a researcher, she has investigated the effects of chiropractic adjustments of dysfunctional spinal segments on somatosensory processing, sensory motor integration, and motor cortical output. And she's received numerous research awards and published a number of papers in chiropractic and neurophysiology journals. What a mouthful. She's here to talk about the impact of movement in the spine and the brain and the nervous system. Welcome to FX Medicine, Heidi. How's sunny New Zealand going? <laughs> Not too bad. We're heading into summer. It's quite nice. Lovely to speak to you again, David. Oh, Heidi, you've been busy. You've had a lot on. Um, every time I jump on to find out what you're up to, you're up to new great things. And, uh, and you know, as I said in my intro, you are the most prolific, preeminent researcher of our time and people love your stuff. But the reason why they love your stuff, Heidi, is because it's so clinically relevant. And I know that our listeners today are going to get a lot from what it is that you talk about. Um, and, and the main thing in practice for me, what I love is the ability to talk to my patients using complicated research bits and pieces that you've come up with and that you've discovered and then explained, but in bite-sized chunks. And so I'm excited about today's chat and particularly about the reality check, because for me, for people to understand that the brain tells them a story or it interprets the data, I think that's really exciting. And, and I think that people are going to want to know more. Yeah, well, I love I love talking about this topic, as you know. <laughs> I've just been fascinated by how on earth, you know, chiropractors can adjust um, the spine and it can change people so dramatically. Obviously, I've been a clinician myself for many, many years, so I've seen the changes, and I, I realised quite early on how hard it is to explain this easily to patients. And so I figured, who better to at least come up with some examples of how to explain it than us researchers that are doing the work. Yeah, and you do do a lot of work. One of the things that I've really loved, Heidi, uh, in in trying to explain this to my patients, is this perception of the environment. So that, and this is great for all of our listeners to picture this and to consider this, is that your brain is basically interpreting everything that's your in, in your environment. And I know that we talk about that, but when you stop to think about that, your brain is interpreting billions of bits of information at any point in time. And it's trying to get the message right. Like it's trying to make the right decision based on everything it's learned, everything that it's aware of, all the other factors that are happening within the body. It's trying to do this all at the same time. Sometimes it gets it wrong um, and things go out of control, but most of the time it gets it right. When I try to explain that to people, they kind of go, oh, that's that's quite an incredible experience or quite an incredible thing to think about. Um, you have a little diagram on one of your brochures that has a checkerboard and on the checkerboard there's an A and a B and they uh, appear to be on different colour background squares but in reality the, the colour squares They're are identical. exactly the same. Identical. Yeah. How does all that work and can you explain that uh, to us, you know, how did, how did you come up with that and then, you know, what, what's really going on here? Well, I think most people, most people, at least public people, are aware of the, the five key senses, right? But they're really only our external senses. So things like touch, smell, visual input, taste, and sound, they're your five external senses. But of course, we've got a whole lot of internal senses as well. So we've got temperature sensors and chemoreceptors and pain receptors and emotions, um, the, the way the brain can pick up on an emotions as well as proprioception and kinesthetic senses. 
Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because even just a week ago, the latest um, Nobel Prize winners in physiology were literally given their Nobel Prize because of their work to identify how how things like temperature or proprioception actually is converted into brain signals. And that's what? part of those interoceptive signals. Whereas most of us, we don't walk around thinking about that, that your brain no. uses all of this internal signals as well as those external signals. And you touched on it, that your brain also takes into account your past experiences. So yes. you will actually interpret what you see, hear, touch, smell, and feel in a completely different way to someone else because of their past experiences. So it gets really, like even just explaining how your brain perceives your reality, it's kind of quite funky. On top of that, it even takes into account what you expect to happen in your future and your thoughts and your feelings will colour how you interpret what's going on outside you and inside you. But this is when it gets really cool and this is where chiropractic comes into it. Because all the work we've been doing for the last 20 years at the Centre for Chiropractic Research at the New Zealand College is mm-hmm. showing us that the way your brain interprets, you know, we've gone around and tested a lot of these different sensory inputs and the way your brain interprets them is different depending on how your spine is functioning. So, for example, if you've got spinal dysfunction to the point that you've got aches and pains that reoccur, which is most of us, I presume, mm-hmm. Yes. Your brain interprets sound and visual information differently. And that's oh. weird to think about, isn't it? Whereas yes. if you if you get adjusted, so if we adjust that dysfunctional segment, again, many different names of many different people, but if you adjust that dysfunction, it improves the way your brain processes sound and visual information, which is weird. It's telling us that the way your spine is moving changes the way your brain interprets what you see and hear. Or, you know, again, a whole lot of other studies have shown it changes the way our brain um, processes proprioceptive information. So you're more accurately aware of where your arm and ankle and how your spine is functioning when you get adjusted. Or if you have that spinal dysfunction, you are less able to accurately sense where your arm and your ankle or how your spine is moving. And there's just been many, many studies like this over 20 years that's quite clearly showing us that the way your spine moves influences how your brain perceives not only the world around you, what you see, hear, taste, smell, and and, and, um, can feel, but also what's going on inside your body. So, of course, this can have quite widespread, significant (laughs) um, implications on how we function in normal day life. Oh, totally. And I'm thinking about my golf game this morning and why it was so bad. I did wake up with a little ache this morning thinking, oh, gosh, I hope this doesn't affect my golf game. I wonder, yes, maybe I should have got adjusted at, you know, 6.30 this morning, but there was no chiropractors there to uh, to take care of me at that time of the day. But... <laughs> Funnily enough, there actually is a golf study. I don't know if you're aware of that, but there's a quite a cool study showing that you um, – you can uh, hit that ball a little bit further <laughs> if you get adjusted. And it does true? make sense because if your brain is then more accurately aware of where you are, where your arms are, where your feet are, and all movements of your arms and legs, including swinging the golf ball or you know any other kind of sport really, requires yeah. your brain to know where you are and the core of you is because all your mm-hmm. arms and leg movements are obviously moved according to where they attach to the body, which is, again, your core. I want to extrapolate that out a little bit because – when I think about the patients that I see, Heidi, in my practice, and many of the people that are listening to this would, you know, interact with people from a nutritional space, in around diet yep. or lifestyle or whatever else, and quite often we meet people with fears and anxieties about 
their lifestyle, you know, whether they've got chronic fatigue syndrome or they've had a Lyme disease, some kind of dysfunction that's kind of prefaced any kind of interaction that they're going to have with their practitioner or a new practitioner. So they come with the story of their life. They come with a, a symptomology, a symptom picture that could be as long as, you know, six people's arms. And you try to interpret all of that data and, of course, they've interpreted that data in a particular way and they might have already tried some of the things that you're going to suggest to them. How would that impact their ability to heal? In my mind, I kind of think, well, even if their spine was properly aligned, let's say it had zero dysfunction in it, their bias, like the cognitive bias and all those sorts of things, could that be playing havoc with the way in which they might be healing? Yeah, well, even just the, um, I mean, as soon as you said fear, as soon as you said stress, I mean, people that have got health concerns usually have stress and fear. And mm -hmm. we know, interestingly, that stress and fear not only has very detrimental effects on health in general, but it's mm -hmm. also linked with switching off of the small paraspinal muscles, those ones that are absolutely essential for your brain to know what's going on in the spine. So mm -hmm. the, the core of the spinal dysfunction we think one of the main reasons that you actually end up with spinal dysfunction is stress, fear, uh, you know, and any sort of acute health condition would, would take that off immediately. So not only yeah. are you primed for fight and flight with the big muscles being sort of pumped and ready to go, yeah. but you also actually switch off those little ones close to the spine and skull. And as soon as you switch them off, um, that's when the brain cannot perceive what's going on in the spine. And it can also have ongoing effects like, for instance, we particularly know that a part of the brain that, that we impact when we adjust dysfunctional spinal segments of the spine is the prefrontal cortex, which yes. is another part of the brain that's actually switched off with stress. So it's kind of interesting to see all these different interactions. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and one of the ways, that we, I remember um, a, a speaker, James Chestnut, um, speaking many years ago, and you know James, I'm, I know, I'm sure yeah. you know him very well. Yeah. I'm sure you've shared a bottle of wine with him a, a few times, I'm sure of it, Heidi. Um, <laughs> James said something about the cerebellum, uh, which has always stuck with me in that it, you know, from a refinement of fine motor and the coordination of movement and how important great functioning cerebellum actually is and how that impacts prefrontal cortex, et cetera, et cetera. When we're moving the spine or when we're moving in our day, how is that impacting our brain's ability to interpret the data? Well, we actually, um, interestingly enough, have done several studies now as well that shows that when we, again, adjust these dysfunctional segments in the spine, mm -hmm. um, that we impact the way the cerebellum communicates with both the primary motor cortex and the um, primary sensory cortex. So again, All it's right. going to impact the way the brain perceives what's going on. Like we know that the this multimodal integration that takes place when when you perceive your reality, the two parts of the brain that are highly involved in creating that reality uh, of integrating all that multimodal input is the prefrontal cortex and the cerebellum. And interestingly, those chiropractic adjustments have shown to impact the processing of both those parts of the brain. So it makes sense that we're seeing people are better able to perceive what's going on in their body. They're, they're better able to, to know where their arm is or their leg is, or they're better able to perceive, perceive sound and visual information, whole lot of sensory motor functions change. So, it actually makes a lot of sense when you start to look deeply into these mechanistic studies, these basic science studies that are showing us exactly why that spinal function is so important. Heidi, it's a great thing that you just said there, and I'll, I'll come back to it because you, you mentioned um, basic science studies. And, and, and it's, it's something that I hang on all the time um, because 
basic science studies are still so important and everyone's looking for these elaborate studies into the treatment of conditions or into you know specific impacts of an adjustment to the c7 vertebra from the uh, posterior lateral portion of the lateral condyle of c1 and <laughs> you know and they're trying to impact yeah. you know, yeah. try and work out how that's going to influence if you don't ADHD. know how an intervention actually works how can you test what it does Yes. You know what I mean? And that's where yeah. you've got to have these basic science mechanistic studies as well. Like it's yes. interesting when we're starting to look at this, Damon, and I'm cutting you off here, but, you know, when we actually look at what a dysfunctional spinal segment is, like we've, we can see from research studies that over time, if you say injured a spinal segment, and we also know that similar changes happen under, you know, stress situations as well, but we know that the little muscles closest to the spine and skull they can get neurologically inhibited, but they can get right through to atrophied. So they literally shrink. If you've ever seen a muscle in a cast, right? You know, mm. and then so that that dysfunctional segment, there's more though. They, they get fibrotic, there's fatty infiltration, they change their fiber type. So there's a whole host of maladaptive functional changes that take place within these muscles deep in the spine. And those deep muscles are the other are the, are the it's a stretch of them that literally allows the brain to know what's going on at the spinal level. And then mm -hmm. it can tell the more superficial muscles, the bigger muscles, when to move and when to stiffen up. But if this whole process dysfunctions because of stress or injury, and this could have been like someone had a you know whiplash injury a year ago and they've never sought any any care for it. Well, you know, by then we know that those little muscles around that area that they were injured. They've atrophied, they're fibrotic, they've got fatty infiltration, they are pretty much useless in being able to tell the brain what's going on at that level. So how on earth then can the brain control the spine, the arms and the legs appropriately? So not only now are you dealing with that injury, but you're dealing with that the brain is now maybe causing microtrauma in the way it controls arms and legs. All of a sudden they might, you know, end up with tennis elbow or golfer's elbow and they're wondering, oh, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe because your brain doesn't know what's going on because you haven't taken care of your spine. Yeah, totally. This is so good. So – what you're saying basically, and I think this is a really important thing again for the listeners, you know, and I'm going to keep on bringing the listeners back to this because this is a language that you and I are familiar with, but for many people who are listening to this, they may not be familiar with this particular language, but I want to keep bringing everybody back to this, you know, for the listener. What we're saying here is that these dysfunctions can occur in the spine that result in atrophy of the small muscles, which alters the brain's ability to perceive your space where you are in space, and this may not cause pain. This is important, isn't it? Like because you may not no, experience yeah. pain with a dysfunction, but you could have dysfunction without pain, which results in deterioration. Most of our work has specifically been in people that have reoccurring spinal dysfunction. So, for example, they have reoccurring ache, pain, or tension in the spine. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, we required our subjects to not be in pain on the day because most of our brain measures that we've been recording um, – they are influenced by the way your your current pain levels. And mm -hmm. I mean, most people know that if you go to a chiropractor, it reduces pain, right? So yeah. if we adjusted someone and it reduced their pain and they had these changes in the brain, I wouldn't know if it was because of the adjustment or because of the changes in their feelings of pain. So there's studies showing that you improve your ability to know where your ankle joint is or elbow joint is or you know your spinal function or the sound visual information or multimodal integration or all these other studies that we've done have been done in people haven't got pain on the day that we are testing them. So we know that this dysfunction is there even on days that you have no pain. It, it can potentially be why people end up with injuries because yeah. the brain is less accurately aware of where they are in space. So obviously they're likely to be more clumsy. 
But what fascinates me is those additional effects. You know, like, for example, this massive big survey that they did in Americans and they looked at, you know, 35,000 people and then asked, you know, if they'd ever been to a chiropractor or if they'd been to a chiropractor in the last year. And then they go into what kind of what kind of benefits do you feel that chiropractic care has had for you? They only asked the people, obviously, that had been to chiropractors. And they were like insane numbers, like 70% felt better. They were coping better. You know, 40% were sleeping better. Even like 13% of people felt like they were better able to communicate with other human beings, their interactions with other humans. And these kinds of effects really scream at prefrontal cortex functions, which is which is, again, a study that, you know, we've shown in, in several studies that you actually change the processing of prefrontal cortex when we adjust people. Because we know it's that something. prefrontal cortex is a, is a major inhibitor of um, emotions and mental health and hugely influential on our, on our ability to think rationally. So that whole yeah. being able to pick up on what you're talking about, if, if they're in fear um, or they're in pain when they're coming in to see you, chances are their prefrontal cortexes have gone offline and they're in their limbic emotional brain. You know, and yes. they're probably subluxated as well. Yeah, <laughs> there's so totally. many key ways that adjusting people is likely going to be helping them. It might even help them cope better. And if it's helping them to cope better, then all of a sudden they're able to do more of those positive things like take supplements or start an exercise program or you know, even, even things like impulse controls and addictions are, are linked with prefrontal cortex dysfunction. Prefrontal mm. cortex is also highly linked with balancing the autonomic nervous system and our inflammation levels and, you know, therefore vital for immune function. So it's it's really fascinating to start to pick apart just how important that spinal function really is. So much more than <laughs> just, just, you know, crunch a bone where you hurt. You know, th- this is there's a completely different picture coming out of the basic science research. <laughs> there really is. Just don't only hit the high spots. That's what you're saying. I want to. What, what I want to bring people back to, and just like kind of, you know, consider this for a moment. And Heidi, I, I, actually, just as a number, how many research studies have you done so far on the impact of the spine and the brain? How, how many studies have you done so far? Oh, I don't know. I think I was up to about sixty-five last time I checked. <laughs> so we're talking lots, checked. right? We're talking lots. So this isn't just new. Uh, and so let's just take it back to eighteen ninety-five, just for a second, just for a really a little bit of quick history here for the listener. Um, in 1895, uh, D.D. Palmer, uh, who was the founder of chiropractic, spoke with the janitor of his school. And I could get some of these things uh, wrong, Heidi. And if you feel like you want to correct me, then feel so that you can do that. Um, yeah. Harvey Lillard. You know that Harvey... than me probably. <laughs> Maybe. Harvey, and Harvey, yeah. Harvey Lillard, yeah. He was deaf. Now, Harvey Lillard explained yeah. that the reason why he'd been deaf is because he'd bumped his head and he'd felt something go out. And, and ever since that point, this thing had gone out. So then uh, Didi Palmer, who was a magnetic healer at the time, you know, chiropractic wasn't invented at this point in time, found a bone out of place, racked it back into place, so the, the scripture says, I'll say the scripture, and um, it, it goes back into place and lo and behold, Harvey Lillard's hearing is restored and hence Dee then thought that he'd found the cure for deafness, jumped in a horse and cart, <laughs> went around all around America, horse and cart, I found the cure for deafness. Thousands upon thousands of people came to have their deafness fixed and this didn't happen. No one else no. had their hearing restored. <laughs> so we kind of go, oh, N equals one. That's not causative. That's, you know, it's there's correlation maybe. Um, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe, you know, it had nothing to do with that. But what Didi then found was that other people were getting improvements in their health and well-being as a result of being adjusted. 
but we didn't know why. Like back in 1895, we exactly, didn't know why. Exactly. So you're explaining and that's what's so now. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, you're explaining now that this could be because of cortical control at, at a brain well, level. For so many that, years, we thought it was a squash nerve root, right? Yes, and, a and bone I remember, on a nerve. Honestly, yeah. I actually, I remember vividly, I was, um, must be about five or six years ago now, pre, pre-COVID pandemic, and I was in Istanbul in the lab doing an experiment with one of the world's leading experts on jaw function, so bite strength, and, right. uh, and I was listening to, I think there was some sort of an interview over in Australia where, I don't know, medical doctors or someone was laughing at the fact that how possibly have anything to do with cranial nerve function and they were laughing at this Harvey Lillard story and you know how could it possibly have anything to do with deafness and I was sitting there literally in front of the computer watching that as we did our adjustments bite strength increased and and I mean you know you know facial control is controlled again by cranial nerves bite jaw strength is a cranial nerve function and I was watching it and it was lasting like over a week and that's in one of our publications as well this this jaw strength there's so many studies showing us that we increase the efficiency by which the brain can produce force. But so we're finally understanding that what we're doing when we're adjusting the spine is not relieve pressure off a nerve root, which which we used to think for many years. What we're actually doing is we're finding those dysfunctional spinal segments where those little muscles, the the small deep muscles, have probably atrophied and, you know, become fibrotic and and, and so forth and so, so on. And then we rapidly blasting the brain with proprioceptive input because it, it's a rapid stretch, right, of those deep muscles when we go in there with the HVLA adjustment. And that blast of proprioceptive information or mechanoreceptive information seems to have this massive central effect on the brain itself. And, and that's what's changing the way your brain is processing sound and visual information. We actually, it makes sense now how Harvey Lillo could get his hearing back. And since I've gone around uh, presenting on, on this research, I've actually had multiple chiropractors come and tell me that similar stories to that Harvey Lillard story, that there are people that had an accident. So yeah. there's obviously an accident that's caused the dysfunction. And it could be upper cervically, but that's caused a dysfunction in the way the brain processes sound or, in, or, or visual information. And then they get their function back. So it's quite remarkable. And it's very, very exciting to be piecing this puzzle piece together that we've wondered about for 125 odd years. <laughs> Absolutely. It's huge. <laughs> it's so huge. And I want to, I suppose, I'm going to just recap what we've just been saying before we, you know, keep on moving forward because we are going at a rate of knots and there's so much exciting stuff in here. What we're saying here is that people may present to the practitioner with some kind of dysfunction that could result in pain, but it could result in some other kind of dysfunction. You know, it could be bowel dysfunction, it could be digestive discomfort or whatever else, and it may be responsive to medication. Yeah, and we're not saying that we're a cure-all for anything, but no. but, but this new biological understanding of, of how that spine dysfunction can impact function it can sort of explain how we could impact just about any system in the body. And that's interesting because, again, chiropractors have been blamed of of claiming that they fix everything, but I don't really think that's the case, and I don't even think chiropractors are claiming that, but they've seen remarkable changes in just about every system of the body because, of course, every system of the body relies on the brain being accurately aware of what's going on inside you or outside you. You know, yeah. you, you mentioned one part of the of the body that, 
doesn't need your brain to be aware of what's going on. And I'd, I'll, I'll probably challenge you to to find one of those. <laughs> I remember when I was uh, a naturopath, Heidi, and you know that I was I was a naturopath for a long yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only, only a naturopath. And I say that only because that was the only thing that I did. And these days I do chiropractic and naturopathy, right? So so then yeah. I think about that and I, and I remember speaking to a great chiropractor in Chirog and his name's Dr. Gary Coleman and I said to Gary, I said, you know, I, I do a lot of work with the digestive system. And he said, well, you know, what controls the digestive system? I said, well, I don't know, like the digestive system. He said, it's the brain. I go, yeah, it's the brain, right? And then he said, it's you know, the and brain. the brain communicates through the spine and it goes to the digestive. I said, yeah, of course it does, Gary. And he said, so, you know, you could do a lot of work with the digestive system like I do and like a lot of the listeners do, just like 7,500, maybe 10,000 now, could be even 20,000 listeners to this podcast right now going, Yep, I do work with the digestive system and I used to find myself prescribing lots of supplements to help, you know, my patients get their digestive system right. And yes, I would get great results and it was amazing. Like it was amazing. But what I also found was that when they saw Gary, because I I was a naturopath and I would refer to a chiropractor, it could have been Gary, it could have been another chiropractor, when they were under care and, and doing chiropractic the way it was supposed to be, not just chasing pain, headaches, neck pain, back pain, that sort of thing, that it made it easier for me as a practitioner to be able to help my patients get great results because food yeah. appeared to work better. They seemed to be happier. They slept more efficiently. Their movement was more profound. Um, th- th- there seemed to be a whole lot more and it's really only through what you're finding in your research that I can explain all of that to my patients and to other practitioners that I work with, not only in my practice but, you know, at the golf course or in, you know, social circles or in professional circles, explaining to them that it's not that chiropractors cure or fix or treat anything in particular, except that the, what they look at is these dysfunctional segments within the spine. And, and it's great that you're finding that this is why it works and this is how it all happens. Yeah. And that's, you've, you've raised a couple of things there that I think are really interesting and worth, worth touching on because there are probably multiple reasons why, why just, just, and now I'm saying just chiropractic care, because like you, I would also use a lot of nutrition and supplementation when I, the way I practice, but but just doing chiropractic, because we know the, the effects that it's having, like step back even further, you know, let's just think about the gut. What, what's in the gut? There's actually more neural tissue in the gut, more neural tissue in the gut than there is on the spinal cord. So much so now that we consider that digestive system, the, 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 the nervous system, the nervous tissue in the gut, the second brain. Yeah. So it's really an extension of the brain that happens to live in the digestive system. Probably because it's so, so important that you get your digestion right, as yeah. you'll probably also know as a naturopath. <laughs> <laughs> but and embryologically, that, we... that makes sense too, doesn't it? Like from, you know, from embryological perspective, yeah. as yeah. the nuchal crest, you know, kind of folds and forms, you know, the two ends of that, you've got the brain and the gut. So we're talking about basic embryology there. And it's also outside your body, right? Skin and digestive tract is outside your body. That's what determines mm-hmm. who you are from what's external to you. So, you know, for one, I think it's extremely important that you your brain needs to be aware of what's going on in your digestive system. It's probably why there's so much neural tissue there to begin with. So being accurately able to perceive what's going on and then, then control the gut in their most ideal way, number one. But we also see that the the um, chiropractic adjustments can, if that's influencing the prefrontal cortex, it could also be influencing. We know that the prefrontal cortex directly activates the parasympathetic nervous system, and that's of course your digest, rest, 
healing and reproductive system. So we see quite a lot of people that get under chiropractic care start reporting that their, their functional gastroenterology s- symptoms go away, right? So there's there's multiple very interesting links, like it's it's the direct neural links that the importance of the microbiome that's skyrocketed in the last couple of you know decades, that research. But there's also this potential link that we have on the parasympathetic nervous system through impacting the prefrontal cortex, because if we are therefore activating the prefrontal cortex ability to activate the parasympathetic nervous system that could be optimizing your healing, resting, digesting. And again, if you go back to that big survey by Adams et al., I mean, it would appear, you know, if you look at those numbers, the 70% coping better, feeling better, um, you know, all these improvements, they scream of prefrontal cortex improvements. It sounds very much to me like that prefrontal cortex is improved. We don't know that yet. That's again, we need to go in and do some more of these clinical trials. But now yeah. there's just so many studies I need to do. <laughs> it's like it's like it never ends. I open one door and it's like now I've got to do 20 more studies. You need more researchers. You need more researchers. That's what's going on, Heidi. You've got to expand the I know. Ex- I know. expand the nest. Expand I know. The nest. I certainly don't need to lose them to become presidents. <laughs> Wow, that's a great point, Kelly Holt. That's right. So now, Heidi, I'm um, I'm always aware that there's a lot of science going on, and some stuff doesn't make it, you know, to the fore. And um, and often chiropractic has been accused of not having robust enough science or robust enough studies. I, I'm often left, you know, lost in that sort of conversation because. You know, we often hear a statistic around, you know, what's relevant and what is a good study and, you know, what is a bad study and what's, you know, usable and all that sort of stuff. And and sometimes people say, oh, you know, only 70%, you know, or maybe it's 20% of all medications that are used are actually researched to the standard that they want us to be researched to the standard. We find this also with nutritional medicine and with herbal medicine and, and all these um, yeah. other other types of therapies. There's, there's not a lot of incredibly robust information in around what they would call the gold standard of research, which is the double-blind placebo-controlled study. Why would a double-blind placebo-controlled I, study not I, be good for us? Just before... I wouldn't say that that's the only that's that's only the um, gold standard for clinical science. So, right. Okay. Like basic science, basic science is very very different. So, if you wanted the gold standard for basic science, you would be stupid to do to use a randomized controlled trial design. <laughs> if you if you were doing basic science studies, you don't want the randomized controlled trial design. It's it's the wrong design. Right. So it depends on what kind of studies you, you are doing. Ideally, we actually do many different types of studies because the many different types of studies each provide you with different kinds of evidence. So if you're wanting to understand how something works, you've really got to do a really well-designed basic science study. If you're wanting to, desi- to design a study to show you how effective an intervention is for a certain condition, that's when you want to do a really good clinical trial and preferably a, a randomized control trial. And I mean, when it comes to chiropractic research, we do extremely well when it comes to musculoskeletal pain research. And I, I, I would never underestimate the value of, of that musculoskeletal pain research. It's phenomenal, especially like for me as a basic scientist again, so I can't help myself, Damien, but, <laughs> but I, follow, I follow the basic science research on what pain is. And I don't know if you've followed that, but in the last 20, 30 years, there's been an amazing development on what chronic pain truly is. We used to think it was, 
you know, pain reflected some tissue pathology. Well, now we know chronic pain, that's not the case at all. Your tissue pathology could have healed like years ago, <laughs> and yes. your, but your brain has learned to be in pain. So it comes back to this brain-driven response. You start looking into things that actually light up the pain matrix. It's not even one part of the brain that causes feelings of pain. We know there's a whole multitude of parts of the brain, including the prefrontal cortex. It's a major player in that pain matrix. And then you start looking at all the triggers that can cause the pain matrix to fire so that you feel pain. Well, that comes down to all kinds of things. It's like loneliness, isolation. You think of the stress that people are going through at the moment, sleep mm. problems, exercising, lack of exercise, inflammatory levels, your your digestion, the food that you eat and don't eat, the supplements you take and don't take, your hormonal system, the amount of movement that you have every day, you know, that your thought patterns, your emotions, even things like inflammatory levels. It could be local inflammation or, or peripheral inflammation. And, and again, you start to tie all these things together and, and it actually makes perfect sense that, you know, if, if as chiropractic, what we're probably doing is not necessarily fixing tissue pathology where you hurt, but we're probably turning off or down the feelings of pain in the brain itself, especially when it comes to our chronic pain. If you've had an acute injury, then you're probably talking a bit of that peripheral pain tissue pathology type thing. But yep. I'd say most chronic pain patients, musculoskeletal chronic pain, it's a brain problem that we're actually affecting by adjusting the brain. I, and I love that because you actually jumped my segue, I've got to tell you, Heidi. I was going to segue into that, the pain is in the brain, which is where I was going to go. But you jumped my segue, which I'm totally fine with. It's great. I love your enthusiasm. Oh, <laughs> you could never it. be accused for not being enthusiastic, I've got to tell you that, Heidi. Um, no, but no. So I love, I love that. And so that um, when we're perceiving this, and I think this is important to understand too because from a soft tissue healing perspective, and I know that everyone who's listening to this at the moment will be thinking, yeah, 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 but oh, you know, I use turmeric for pain or I use magnesium for pain or I use quercetin for inflammation or whatever else it might be or wonderful. fish oils. It's, it's so good. But if, it's a, we're talking, if we're talking a chronic issue, it's highly likely, as you say, that the soft tissue has healed in the local area of where the pain might be felt. And so as or, a result... Or, it, or another another probably quite common thing is that yes. because the brain isn't accurately aware of what's going on, it's not yes. controlling the movement patterns appropriately, so you're getting microtraumas. Yes, and tiny little microtraumas, that's right. Your arm, yeah, in the wrong way all the time with the wrong muscles in the wrong order, you know, or you're not activating these forward protective uh, reflexes that you're supposed to. You know, your core is supposed to switch on before you lift an arm and a leg. So people could be micro-traumaring their back or their neck or their arms or legs all day, every day. If you don't clear out that movement patterns and get the right movement patterns, you know, you can take all the turmeric you like. But I'm not saying don't take the turmeric or the, you know, the good fish oils and things like that. And I think I think most practitioners that work with chiropractors find exactly what you say, that their patients just do better. <laughs> they'll respond yeah. better to your supplementation. They'll respond better to the massage. They'll respond better to the acupuncture. Whatever you're doing, if you've got a brain that's more accurately aware of what's going on in its system and it's more effectively and more efficiently controlling your system, you know, whatever you do as a as a you know alternative complementary or any kind of practitioner, your patients are likely to do better. And that's one yes. thing I'm hoping that I can achieve in my lifetime, Damien, is change this view on chiropractic. It shouldn't be viewed as a one or two or three therapeutic doses. That does my head in. I would like it if we can start because 
we're talking about function of the deep paraspinal muscles. And yeah. when it comes to muscle function, I don't know about you, but you can't go to the gym three or four times and expect to be fit for life. I wish. I but thought I just had to go once. I thought, it was just, I thought if I had a membership, I'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, all I've been to a chiropractor once in my life and it didn't work. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and that's where, you know, and it's what chiropractors see. It's those people that get those regular adjustments to the point that you, you're holding your adjustments, meaning that the brain is able to control that segment in an appropriate way, meaning it will stiffen up when it should and move when it should. You know, that's, that's literally the neurophysiological view now of that dysfunctional spinal segment. It's literally that the brain isn't able to control that segment in your spine appropriately. Yeah. That it's not moving when it should or it's stiffening up when it should. And so obviously that ends up tender to the touch. It has changes in its intersegmental range of motion compared to the level above and, ab and below. Yeah. That's what it takes. That's why it takes five years for chiropractors to train to detect it very well. And then applying those thrusts and getting the whole spine as a functional unit working as it should. So you've got your protective reflexes switching on, you've your your bones are moving when they should, they're stiffening up when they should, when you lift, for example, versus running. It's that it's it's literally I see chiropractors, their role is to exercise the spine back into proper function. Yeah, but it's nice. it, you know, it's still treated as a, you know, go see your chiropractor four or five times because you've got back pain. It does my head. Yeah. It it literally yeah. goes against <laughs> the basic science <laughs> mechanisms. It you know, really even does. if you look at the clinical the trials that have looked at benefits of maintenance care versus just symptomatic care, people have less symptoms overall in a year if they have the maintenance care versus just turning up when they hurt, which oh, also this... makes sense if you start to understand what pain is, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's chronic pain anyway, versus, um, you know, and, and why why that happens. But yeah, it's 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 going to take a bit of time, and I think that's quite normal with new science. It it always takes twenty, thirty, forty years for for new a new understanding to become common knowledge. So yeah. it's kind of cool. I just got to learn to be patient. <laughs> well, <laughs> you strong, know, not my strong well, side. <laughs> you're more patient than most. I have to tell you, Heidi, you you really are. I love that you say that movement can impact pain, right? So movement impacts pain. And, and the reason why it does that, and I'm bringing everybody back to understanding this because movement impacts pain because of the ascending messages to the brain and then the brain's interpretation of the data. It's a better interpretation, more efficient interpretation of the data as a result of the movement of the spine, the tiny little paraspinal muscles that are being triggered. Because they're the eyes, like literally view those little deep muscles that go from one vertebra to another, you know, those ones, because they're the ones that we stretch when we apply the adjustment to that subluxated segment. And they're the ones that we know atrophy, they sh literally shrink inside, they become fibrotic, they have fatty infiltration. A whole host of maladaptive plastic changes take place within them over time after injury or following long-term stress. So we know that happens. And again, we know, you know that stress will trigger these. Injuries will trigger these. Uh, even local inflammation can trigger these. I don't know if you've ever seen those, those patients that have the, um, like they have a tooth abscess and they're continuously, you know, subluxated in their upper cervical spines. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Or, or the person that's got a bowel, inflamed bowel, that triggers their low back and vice versa. <laughs> so it's, Absolutely. They're the three things that we know. It's that, it's that, that, that local inflammation. Probably enough systemic can probably trigger things as well, but the stress and then the injury. 
and then the detrimental effect that has on those small deep muscles, we can almost view them like fuses blowing. It's a little bit like you've, you know, when, when your system's too overloaded, it blows a fuse, whether that's due to pain, an accident, injury, local inflammation, stress. You blow your fuse and your body's kind of learnt a dysfunctional pattern. And that's, it can still function, you know, your, your brain's been with you most of your life, so it can kind of guess where <laughs> your spine is. And that might be like a, 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 you know, a survival compensation that, you know, once you go into fight and flight, you need your bigger muscles to either fight or run away. And so it, it sort of, it sort of focuses on them and just ignores the, the small intrinsic spinal muscles. Who knows? But for some reason, that's what happens. But over time, that is unhelpful, just like mm. chronic stress is unhelpful, where short-term stress is fantastic. I mean, that's like exercise. It's really a healthy thing. It boosts your immune system and immune function. But that chronic long-term stress is very, very detrimental. Absolutely. Well, last month, we spoke with, uh, with Wayne Todd, who's a, who's a oh, great communicator. Yes. Yeah, he's great communicator in around yeah. the sympathetic dominance, you know, and yep. and yep. how all of what you're talking about feeds back to exactly what you know Wayne was talking about. And what I wanted to ask him was if you were to ask Heidi a question, what would it be? But I didn't get a chance to ask him that question. But <laughs> <laughs> but I well, I mean, hopefully, I, I reckon you know he'd want to know that you know I can say say in ten, another 10, 20 years, you know, what would be my you know dream outcomes? It would literally be understanding better this impact that we have on the prefrontal cortex clinically, mm. you know, does mm. that actually improve? Is, is it through our impact on prefrontal cortex that the, that the brain is better able to perceive where our arms and legs and, and movement control? Is it like, do we influence its um, executive functions? Like if that's the case, then literally we would be, you know, noticing that people are literally have, you know, greater intelligence under care. You know that you get you get adjusted, and and you can if you can activate the executive functions of the prefrontal cortex, if that's in, in a, a clinical positive improvement, they would be literally smarter. They would have better emotional control, better mental health. I mean, every every mental health disorder known to man is linked with prefrontal cortex dysfunction. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but I used to get <laughs> quite often there'd be you know husbands coming in um, because their wife said that they needed the grumpy bone adjusted. I don't know. If you, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the that, kids, but, that's you know, right. they would yeah. get adjusted and they wouldn't be so grumpy anymore. I was just a laugh. But but now I actually could explain why that might be, or the yeah. impulse control and the addictions, or the pain processing. You know, is it? You know, I'd, I'd just like to understand: Are we improving people's? chronic pain because we are affecting prefrontal cortex or again we could look at all the functions of the cerebellum because the cerebellum isn't just about perceiving the body or aligning you know the spine or motor control or fine motor control it's all about learning new motor skills we've even shown studies where there if you've got dysfunction you are not retaining motor learning but this is this is where it's going damien and, and this is probably why wayne todd would be extremely excited <laughs> about the research because yeah. again that prefrontal cortex is vitally involved in balancing the autonomic nervous system in inhibiting the sympathetic nervous system and in turning on that parasympathetic healing digestion reproduction system so it makes yeah. it makes so much sense and, and i'm convinced that that's the effect that we have but that's you know because i've got i don't know over 20 years of clinical experience as well as 
this basic science knowledge. There's too yeah. many. I've even written a big review on it, actually. Well, <laughs> what I'm going to ask for, Heidi, is for as much information as what you can provide for us or links where people can actually get information from because I know that at the end of this podcast, in which we'll finish in a couple of minutes' time, I know that people are going to be screaming for information and, of course, everyone will be able to find information in the show notes, et cetera, et cetera. But if, you know, if we were to send them by way of a link, would we just send them straight to your website, Heidi? Um, yeah, there's multiple places to go actually. So, so, but I'll I'll, I'll send you links to um, two free uh, downloadable articles because one's an mm-hmm. invited review from the European Journal of Applied Physiology. So, and what we wrote about was how how the brain controls movement and how the spine, both in a dysfunction or through adjustments, could impact that. But I've also just recently, and I mean I say I we, um, my research team and I at the New Zealand College of Chiropractic. We also wrote a review because of the pandemic, and there was a lot of confusion about whether chiropractic care could boost the immune system or not. And we have no such clinical trials, so we can't make those claims. But so many chiropractors see these changes in their their patients. So they were like, well, how? How could an adjustment impact anything to do with the immune system? So we did a review, again, of the basic science literature, showing that that high-velocity longitude thrust to the spine can improve neurochemicals that are important for for neuroimmune function. So we talked about, again, this link between how does the nervous system and the immune system talk to each other, what are the main routes, and obviously the main routes are via the autonomic nervous system and the neuroendocrine system, so the HPA axis, and the prefrontal cortex's role in that, which is massive. But so before, we we couldn't explain why that was, but now we can. So I'll, I'll send you links to those two reviews. I've also got a whole online website now, uh, created a library because I get emails all the time saying what's the evidence on this and what's the evidence on that. So yeah. we've got a whole Kairos Academy library online, so kairosacademy.com. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you some links. That'd be great. That'd be great. Heidi, you are unbelievable. And I reckon we could keep this podcast going for another couple of days. But Heidi, I just want to thank you so much for spending the time with us today. And thank you for all the great work you're doing in this area. 60 plus studies. I'm sure there's going to be hundreds of studies that you'll complete um, in the next decade that um, that will shape and change the way people see health and well-being and chiropractic role within the healthcare system, which I think is going to be really, really important. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for your time. Thanks, Damien. It's been an absolute pleasure. Anytime, anytime. I could talk for days. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. Don't forget that you can find all the show notes, transcripts and other resources from today's episode on the FX Medicine website, fxmedicine.com.au. I'm Dr. Damien Christoph, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. This podcast is intended as healthcare practitioner education only, and it is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.